Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show that's all about creating and realizing an artistic vision. About getting an idea and an inspiration and going with it. Despite what anybody says, pursuing your vision, regardless of the collateral damage it causes. That's the what most <laughs> the most important thing is when is that your vision gets realized, especially when you are creating things for other people. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. The other host, Dan Ludwig. Uh, and today, we're going to explain that in a second. Uh, joining us today for another episode of Parental Control, our newest miniseries. One of the two miniseries is that we're doing at the same time. We'll get back to Mayberry someday. We don't care. Uh, <laughs> is friend of the show, food writer, Emmy-winning host of WHYY's Check, Please. Hey! And a bunch of other things that she'll tell you about. Miss Kaylani Palmasano. Hey, thanks for having me back. Welcome back. We're happy to have you here. You're a big get for us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm so flattered. This is a big get for me. <laughs> uh, Kaylani, uh, will you go ahead and tell our listeners what you're up to and where people can find you? I'm going to do it up front because... Oh, sure. That, that, yeah. that's, how, that's how much I care about this. I want people <laughs> to know about your things. Yes. Well, I am the host of Check, Please, Philly on WHYY, which airs on Thursdays at 7.30. And then you can catch it again during the cooking block on Saturdays at 4 p.m. In addition to that, I am a food and travel writer. So you can find me across the interwebs and all different kinds of newspapers. This summer, I did like a big barbecue project in Kansas City. It was a good time. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I guess the the best way to keep up with my shenanigans is just finding me on Instagram and TikTok and some, maybe Twitter, if that's still around by the time this airs, at Kaylani Says. Um, and yeah, I also have a new uh, project coming out on Substack called Side Quests, which is more nerdy deep dives. And I think that this is going to kind of give you a little bit of taste as to the types of topics I like to explore. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. We're a preview. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> An appetizer, as it were. Got that corporate synergy thing going on. (laughs) Cross-promotion. Cross-platform promotion. promotion. Oh, that's going to be a part of it. Figuring out what that is. It's going to be a part of what we're about to talk about. Uh, Kaylani, we are uh, in the middle of parental control. And for those listeners uh, who haven't maybe listened before, the idea behind parental control is that we have guests on to talk about television and their parents, essentially. Uh, Our guests choose... A, a television show that was either A, their parents' favorite when their parents were young, B, your parents' favorite when you were young, or C, your parents' favorite TV show now. And Kaylani, you chose B, and you chose a show that has some memories with you and your mother, right? Yes. With, yeah. Tell us about your mom and tell us about your relationship to this television show. So you're going to love her name. Her name is Bunny Lyons. No you doubt. Are, are you shitting me? <laughs> no. Are you actually I, shitting me? Her real name, her actual name is Bunny Lyons. She is a baker, uh, you know, well, okay, she's a nurse and a baker. So, like, she's had all these iterations of her life where she took herself through school, got her nursing degree. Then after years of nursing at the ripe age of 50 was like, I'm going to open a bakery. So now she has Bunny Cakes Bakery in Berlin, New Jersey. (laughs) Yes. So um, I picked 
trading spaces because in the early 2000s, uh, my parents were very uh, young homeowners. They had their first home and they wanted to decorate their home. And we watched trading spaces every single weekend. I just, I remember it was a ritual. It was like, we'd go to Home Depot and Lowe's on a Saturday and then maybe we'd go out have dinner or lunch or dinner late dinner or late lunch um (laughs) at a diner somewhere and then we'd come home just in time for trading spaces oh my god okay so first off first off um, I get first off first okay Uh, if you if you said there's a person named Bunny Lyons what is their biography I just go like well, yeah, a uh, nurse slash baker that now owns a bakery. So that's just like what the name, the name perfectly encapsulates her life. It's like what it I don't understand be. how Bunny Lyons Bakery Nurse is not already a show on TLC. Yes! <laughs> she was on Food Network. <laughs> of course she was. <laughs> now, hang on a second. Was she, was she on Food Network before or after you got into the food writing industry, did she? Did you no, like? Well, did, did she was being courted uh, for like one of those uh, competition shows, and uh, okay. um, like around the time that I started uh, Check Please, and pandemic kind of like postponed some things, but eventually she did go and she did the Christmas cookie challenge on Food Network. I. I need to go back in time and I need to make a pitch to ABC for a show that can follow Charmed because Bunny Lyons uh, bakery nurse is (laughs) such a slam dunk. Need to point out, Dan, Charmed was on the WB slash the CW. That is a very important distinction (laughs) to make because no, I'm I'm making this distinction because Bunny Lyons bakery nurse is basic cable at at. At least that. Yeah, we might be able to pitch that to, to HBO. That might be a premium series and we might be able to really pitch it to HBO now. God, I keep <laughs> I keep I keep teasing this uh, trading spaces. If you've never seen the show, if you don't know what we're talking about. Actually, Kalani, do you want to go ahead and describe what trading spaces is? Yeah, it's it's this show where two couples that are friends, they switch houses and they have 48 hours to decorate a room in each other's houses. And so they get a they get paired up with a designer and they also only have a budget of $1,000. So it's really a show about ingenuity, of being clever, of stretching your dollar, which was a big deal in the early 2000s. I mean, it's a big deal now, but really back then it was like, look, you can design an entire room for under $1,000. Kaylani, it doesn't I, I, make a great case for that. It doesn't really make a strong argument for what you can do as a homeowner with a thousand dollars. Well, we come to learn that the show is really about the disasters that happen. Thank you. Thank you. Because what I was about to say there is like, Kehlani, love you, respect you. Everything you just said is total bullshit. The the show is not about that. The show is not about that. The show is about, as far as I can tell, the ego of some designers, uh, Forcing their will upon unsuspecting homeowners to create the ugliest homes uh, rooms I've ever seen. I get the feeling that like there's like a secret show going on behind the scenes where the homeowner or the the decorators are kind of in a bet with each other to be like, 
how hideous can I make this room and have them still pretend to like it? Like, they're doing, like, a producer-style scam in the background. It is like a Japanese game show where an interior designer comes into your your friend's home and has a nervous breakdown, and you get points for how much damage you can mitigate. Like... Oh yeah, it's it's crazy how as soon as they switch houses and they meet the designers for the first time, the designer always starts off with, "What are your thoughts about this room?" And these are these people's friends. They know them really yeah. well. They say, "Well, they really really don't want X." Like in one of the episodes that we watched was, "They don't want Asian inspired design. They don't yeah. want orange. They don't want these things. And then the designer is like, well, here's what I'm thinking. Doesn't listen to a word that the, you know, the the participants of the show had just said and are like, imposes their will. Just takes their feedback and then crumples it into a ball and stomps on it repeatedly. Yeah, I really, uh, it's so funny when you asked me to do this, I remembered trading spaces and I remembered really funny moments of it, but I really thought it was about the people who were designing each other's houses, but really it is about the designers and their, their bad ideas. They are basically manual, unpaid manual labor with minor input. Like, and they cling to the input that they are able to provide so desperately. We're like, the, we watch the Harlem one and they're like, we bought them a little rock fountain because we thought that this would be what they want. And yes. the designer's like, cool, put it over in the corner. I don't give a shit. They and have the they- three S's. It was serenity, <laughs> sexy, and simple. Did it make anyone else really uncomfortable how much that woman hammered she didn't want anything Asian? Like, how many times that show yeah. repeated, no Asian things. Nothing Asian, like, remotely Asian. It was a it was a passing remark at first, an off-color and uncomfortable passing remark. That it said in, like, the first three sentences. Yeah. Like, she's just like, hey, I'm Julie, I'm from Everett, Washington, and nothing Asian should touch my home. <laughs> yes. It was like, I was like, well, let's just, I'm sure they're going to blow past that. And then it needed to come up because the designer was like, I'm really feeling Asian theme today. Oh, yeah. So- and everything was centered around this valance or the, the shades that were made out of a kimono. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, so, so about about the most Asian thing you could have, have picked, essentially. Like, we... They just kind of walked in and were like, hey, we're going to turn this room into a pagoda. <laughs> yeah. Do we do we want to uh, pick one and focus on that and then we'll we, move on to the... I think I think we should. Uh, so yeah. we watched... So first off, I'm excited for this because this is Dan and I's first foray into reality television. You're the first one who has brought up... Everything we've done so far is scripted. Uh, and... I guess we got to get on board with this because in about five what a, years. It's... What a place to to start, too, because I, I had mentioned before we started recording that I did a lot of history on TLC and come to find out that trading spaces actually really does help facilitate the reality TV genre. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It, it is just as influential as like Survivor, oh, uh, which yeah. also around the same time. Yeah, right, so, well, uh, the trading... first episode, when did Survivor start? Because the first episode of Trading Spaces is October 13th of the year 2000. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Survivor starts around the same time, right? Okay. Survivor, The Amazing Race starts the next year. I started rewatching The Amazing Race recently, and uh, that takes place in early 2001. Yes. And there are two very big clues that indicate that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, so 
Trading Spaces airs originally from 2000 to 2008 on TLC. And they start, they had a reboot in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that still going? I'm not sure. It didn't look like it, it was. It doesn't seem like it's, go- it, it's, it's still going, which means, Dan... Breaking Mayberry outlasted the Trading Spaces reboot. Yeah. Suck it, GLC. <laughs> In your faces. <laughs> <laughs> so it aired at a time when, uh, well, you want to get into the economics real quick of this, uh, Kayla? Yeah, yeah. Because so th- it's this, 2000. Yeah, it starts in the year 2000. And this is a few years before the subprime mortgage crisis. I just realized the show cl- ends in 2008. 2008 is exactly when you should have started the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, but what so what was kind of happening was like people were buying homes that they could either just barely afford or not really afford. And Around this time, you start hearing the concept of what's called house poor, which is you can just afford the house. You can't really afford to do much else. And unfortunately, like my family was one of these families. We were what we my family definitely described themselves as house poor. We were were house poor. We could just afford the house. And my parents did it. They did a great job. I'm really proud of them. They worked really, really hard. But they worked really, really hard to maintain a house where we had two empty rooms. It was the, as soon as you walked into our house, it was just completely empty. The, there was like this den kind of, I guess the living room area that was completely empty and our dining room was completely empty. So you walk in and it was just like, well, we just couldn't furnish those rooms yet. But my parents worked really hard and they really loved interior design and they loved DIY. And that's why so many of our weekends were spent at Lowe's and Home Depot and then watching Trading Spaces. It makes sense. And like, I think one of the, the, the stretch your dollar thing, like, we were also coming out of the 90s, like that massive economic boom. Things hadn't crashed yet, and they I wouldn't, but it was like slowing down. Like the job market was like no longer an absolute like. Festival. I think there was a little bit of a hiccup around 2003, 2004, but it was yeah. nowhere near as prolifically bad as like I think subprime mortgage crisis is technically like starts to percolate in 2006 and then really bottoms out in like. 2008 when that's like what we really think of as the that crisis that housing oh crisis. my so we're God, basically this, this show gets infinitely sadder when you consider how many of these people are on redecorating homes that they were living in that they could not afford we're basically yeah. watching like evidence for the mortgage crisis this is stuff that people could have used in the big short <laughs> this <is> stuff, <laughs> yeah totally this stuff they could have used in a class action lawsuit so yeah. Uh, that's just kidding no one will ever be punished for that (laughs) so we talked a little bit about the economics but like this is also happening in the year 2000 so it's like okay history of tlc time um what would you think if i told you that nasa founded the learning channel that would make sense yeah that would i follow that because i remember as a small child TLC was like nothing but space footage. Yes! And like a po- 
What? And like a puppet bird that was an astronaut. I don't remember his name, but I remember a, a like bird muppet that talked about space a lot. Yes, yeah. it was birthed in 1972, technically, when the Department of Health and Education partnered with NASA, and they wanted to start an educational channel. So they had all this educational programming. In 1980, it gets acquired by Central Appalachian Network, and it's then called the Learning Channel, TLC. And 1991, Discovery buys it for, I think, like $31.5 million, something like that. And they continued this educational initiative. And yes, there was that space program. I remember that space program. There was also another docuseries about dinosaurs, but the programming was really, really dry until 1998. (laughs) Do you remember, what was that show? Trauma, Life in the ER. I do remember Trauma, Life in the ER. That was one of my sister's shows. I remember I remember TLC as a child being like the channel that makes dinosaurs boring. Yeah, it was like, so dry. I was I was just like uh, they, like my parents would be like, "Don't you want to watch this? This is everything you think is cool. Look, it's dinosaurs in in space." And I'm like, "This sucks." <laughs> it was so oh. so dry, but they they hit on something that becomes part of their big rebrand in the year 2000, which is people really like that it's reality, but it was also, it was like they sent a docu-series crew to film real people, real life, real things. And it strikes on the drama of trauma. Uh, <laughs> and the, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. so shortly after they rebrand and that's when Trading Spaces comes to fruition. But it comes into fruition with like other shows and it just turns into a landslide of like junkyard wars, John and Kate plus eight, 19 kids and counting, Hoarders, all these shows, My Strange Addiction, Honey Boo Boo, and all of the Honey Boo Boo cinematic universe, like all comes out of the trading spaces phenomenon. Yeah, you might be saying, listeners, wait, those channels, those shows weren't all on uh, TLC. Some of those were on A&E. Some of those were on other networks. Bravo. It was all the same team. It's all mm-hmm. the same guy pretty much putting all these together uh realizing this shit is cheap as 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 hell to make to make and it doesn't matter how tacky it is we'll watch it and slurp it up because of the tackiness and i'm not saying that yeah i'm not saying that to pretend like i'm above anybody i also slurp up the tackiness that's the premise of this entire show like it's like weirdly comforting. It is this kind of, it's weirdly relatable because these are real life people. But then you also kind of feel like, oh, I'm, you know, not, I don't know. It just, it does feel a little exploitative. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind it of is. like, I, I don't, I, I don't normally watch shows like this, Um uh, oh, I you're better di- than us? Uh, no, no. I was about to say I watch a different kind of dumb bullshit. <laughs> like, not that this is all dumb bullshit. I'm, uh, but, but what I was trying to, this like, there's a weird like cathartic thrill of like it feels like you're rooting around in someone else's life. Um, where it's like it's very like not even voyeuristic because I the entire time I'm like I'm I'm judging these people and I'm trying to figure out what the dynamic is between them. Are they fighting? Was there like an incident between scenes? And it definitely like it it feels like sort of like more than voyeuristic where you're actually like digging around in someone else's like world. Oh, and some of it and B- BT dubs, the shows I listed 
are actually all TLC shows. Yeah. <laughs> I could have sworn Hoarders was A&E. Oh, yeah. I think they rebroadcast it, but I think... Okay, oh, I, correct I, me if I'm wrong, but I think there was like Hoarders Buried Alive was on TLC. Maybe I'm oh, wrong man. about like right. the normal like Hoarders. Listen, but... you, you did actual research to this. I'm going off my memory, so we're going to de- default to you, but I'm pretty sure hoarders was a and e unless it was like rebroadcast because i know some of honey boo boo stuff is also not on tlc like sometimes it's on other other channels because a and e also went through a big rebrand around this time uh because a and e used to be the arts and entertainment network and it was like because nothing's more artistic than saving everything yeah (laughs) and it was and it, it would have like boring operas but also the show biography was on there and it would just be like oh, yeah. hey here's a here's an hour we're gonna tell you about the entire life of tom hanks <laughs> was it wasn't hoarders very like it tried to be very like somber at first and it was like look at the state of these people's addiction uh, yeah it was kind of it, like an inner yeah there were moments where it really was kind of um it was um Oh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Yeah, it's hoarding buried alive. So sorry, hoarders must have been A and E. So it was like a spinoff. Sorry, but yeah, like, I forget. I think it was hoard- hoarders was like a, actually a little bit more. Um, like they had a psychologist that would come and give them therapy and kind of also educate people on why hoarding is such a phenomenon and what are the kind of underlying issues that cause it. So I feel like yeah, maybe A and E was a little bit more educational about it. I'm sure there's now, like, wacky sound effects and takes to the camera. My question would be, like, is it an actual psychologist? Or is it, like, Karamo from uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Another influential reality show where it's just, like, this guy's going to come and give you advice and tell you about your life. But he has zero qualifications <laughs> to do so. It, his qualifications was, it was the queer perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Let's let's go ahead and, and jump to where this this all ends up. Uh, like I said, this is all the doing of one team, one guy, essentially. Uh, and now David Zaslov, the CEO of Discovery, is also now the the CEO person in charge of Warner Brothers Discovery since the merger. So every scripted television show, every animated series that you love that suddenly disappeared off of HBO Max, uh, Justice for Summer Camp Island. Uh, oh it's, yeah it's R. I. P. all this guy enough it's it's all this guy sail on infinity train i guess oh, right on infinity train. all of these all of these shows i love but it's, it's it's because it's because uh they realized people tune into this and uh these shows which cost nothing to make have a giant audience and streaming is also a just wasteland so they can get more subscribers if they just say come here and subscribe and you can get all of the Chip and Joanna gains you ever want. And it kind of starts here at Trading Spaces. Trading Spaces, I think, though, definitely hit a sweet spot because it is reality. We are looking into these people's lives, these strangers. But more than that, you see the recurring characters. They Mm. have the same designers come over and over again. They have the same carpenters show up over again. And as Dan was alluding to, I think everyone who worked on these shows kind of hated each other. Oh, the whole, they're, they're or, sniping constantly. Oh, the dynamics. And slash yes. or, 
They've all slept together. Yes. Like, they're like flirting. They're like arguing with one another. There's clear beef between them. So, yeah. And if every, you've ever I'm, worked in a kitchen, that's the vibe that's going off. It's basically the fucking bear in and there. And you're also competing for the carpenter's time. So there's a lot of times where the designers are arguing because there is only, it's usually either Ty Pennington or there was one episode where it was Amy Wynn. And um, yeah, they're all competing for, well, no, my project is, you know, has priority. Ty Pennington fucking hates these people. He like, I know him from Extreme Home Makeover. He was like, I'm the fun, wacky guy. And on this, he's like, yeah, I'll make you your fucking shelves. Jesus Christ. It was this very is weird. Stupid. It was very weird because with, with Ty Pennington especially, because he was the only name that I had ever heard before. Uh, like Dan said, I didn't know he had a personality. And I didn't also didn't know that personality was a sarcastic dick. So <laughs> he alternates between mugging for the camera because he's really clearly auditioning for that host role. Yes. Uh, which Kaylani, you would know all about. Uh, so he's very clearly pushing for that angle. Uh, but it, it alternates between that and just kind of going, fuck you, fuck you, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode. We've spent 25 minutes introducing the concept of, of trading spaces. I think I think people understand it. But I think we give good, good context. We watch I, two episodes. Do we want to uh, start with Harlem and ease ourselves in? Or do we want to jump straight to Washington and... No, and... I think we start with Harlem. I think okay. we start with Harlem. So we watched two episodes. I think they might have come from the same season. It was a bitch to find uh like watchable episodes on these you can't for being such a marketable property you can't buy or rent episodes anywhere we're gonna put links in the bio uh so we've basically wound up finding like weird uploads uh on youtube most of them were taken from like old vhs tapes i think one of them came from uh like the son of a couple that was on the show and so it was just like a VHS tape of his parents' you can episode. See him hitting play on the VHS, <laughs> and the graininess I, of it was so charming. It, it really kind of adds to the atmosphere that you're about to watch someone be murdered. Like it really, yeah. really adds to that. So we watched those. And we watched two. One is set in Harlem. The other is set in Everett, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. And I think those those two things are very different or are very distinct. Um, Kehlani, I don't remember the names of any of these people. So if you want to give the names of the designers. Oh, my goodness. Uh, OK, so I don't but... I don't remember the names of the couple. Oh, you know what? You know what? Hang on. I don't. Yeah. The names of the couples are, are irrelevant. Oh, you know what? I actually have. <laughs> they're, I have they're the designers, orange. though. I the actually have the designers in front of me. On the... OK, shirts. good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, let's start. Let's start in. Uh. Let's start in Harlem. So, so our host, Paige Davis, comes in and basically talks like a white woman talking about Harlem. Uh, and my, did you guys know that Harlem had jazz? Because this was my first time learning about it. <laughs> I This was complete news to me. It was. It's very rough to watch her sit there and go, we're in the streets of Harlem and it's jazzy and... They were Jazz. What was it? Was it Duke Ellington's, Duke Ellington's house? Yeah, yeah they're in front of band leader Duke Ellington's like house. It's very weird. Uh, she's um, got the very quintessential '90s haircut. Uh, it's almost the Rachel, but not quite the Rachel. Uh, and she's wearing a 
green t-shirt with a stylized cartoon cat on oh, it. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I have in my notes early 2000s graphic tees as a thing yeah. to talk about. Got some high-rise jeans on there, too. Yes. Like, one, one thing I I love about the way they talk about Harlem, which is jazz, was one point uh, the woman from the green shirt couple just like kind of like talking to her partner just goes, they know that we have stuff other than jazz, right? That doesn't, we're a complicated neighborhood with a lot of history and just moves past it. Yeah, there's a, uh, so the, the teams here, the, it's an all female team, all white women. Uh, the designer is the host and the carpenter Wait, in this case. Wait, was Kia? Oh, I don't think Kia was a... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. you're thinking you're, of the other you're one. Right. Oh, sorry. The, okay, yes. Sorry. Kia, Kia is, uh, is a black there's woman. One, there's one black woman. She wasn't working on the black couple's house, was she? Because it was it was the white, red-haired woman who said all the jazz thing. Oh, yeah. She's to... like, when I think of Harlem, I think of ragtime and jazz. Yeah. yeah. Which so I was, was, it, was not indicative in her design at all. It was... It was very awkward listening to this uh, white this was woman Laurie from Smith. the suburbs. Laurie yeah. Smith. Uh, this redheaded white woman from the suburbs. Uh, this escaped Sex in the City extra. <laughs> Just talking to this black couple that lives in Harlem about Harlem. It was painful. And that's like... I'm going to blame that on the producers. Like, there's yeah. probably a producer saying, like, connect this to the neighborhood somehow. Uh, but so so they take over this. Um, so we have two couples. They are, I don't, know, I don't know their names. They are neighbors. They are friends. Uh, one of them has a bedroom that is kind of drab and plain and doesn't want and they and that's the one with the three s's that you mentioned uh, yes uh, that they wanted the neighbors essentially came in with a strategy i think in their designer was kia and she was like okay we want the three s's serenity sexy and simple and they also gifted their friends a really nice uh accent fountain yeah. for their room which and I, that We're, access fountain, that 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 fountain broke me because they were like, "Here's an access fountain. We put a lot of, of thought into getting this." And the designer was like, "I, that's fine. I could not give less of a shit." And then at the end, when the entire apartment is a disaster, they're like, "Have you seen the fountain?" And they're like, "We love the fountain." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 okay. it was like I, they were like the holding on to it for dear this. life. For the sake of explaining this to our audience, we're going to need to come up with a way to describe these these couples. So we'll say couple A with Kia, the the orange shirt couple. Okay. Yeah. Orange team. Because it's also, it's listed as a game show. So it is gamified. So we can, like, it's orange team and green team. They're, they're the orange iguanas and the green monkeys. That's <laughs> what we're going with. We're going legend <laughs> of the hidden temple on this. And then the next one is blue barracudas and purple parakeets i think well, I parrot. It, was... It, was it was parrot oh yeah yeah Just parrots it's purple parrots yeah. but you're close you're close uh okay so the or the orange team is working on the green team's house green team is working on the orange team's house the green team is working with designer laurie smith who i'm pretty sure i've dated at some point like i <laughs> <laughs> a, a a very enthusiastic but poorly planned out redhead yeah that's that's everyone i dated in my 20s uh mm -hmm. uh so laurie smith is working with them and then kia is working with the orange team 
Kia is putting together with the orange team for the green team, for the green, this is harder than I thought it was going to be, a bedroom. And her big idea is a Murphy bed. She says, we're in Harlem. We're in a city. Space is at a premium. So what we're going to do is we're going to build shelving into the entire wall and the bed's going to be in the wall. And, and, and she she presents it like it's this absolutely like mind-blowing revolution of interior design. Like, what if there was a bed in a wall? And then like 20 minutes later, Paige just goes, so you're giving him a Murphy bed. And yeah. she's like, yes, it's a fucking Murphy bed. Yes. But it yeah, also it, 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 was it's... not a small bedroom. Because if I remember correctly, they also had an office in their bedroom. It was kind of like a cohabitation space. But it was not a small bedroom. The, it, the Murphy bed is like cartoon shorthand for poor people. Right? Yeah. The Muppets use this gag that you have a bunch of people crammed into a Murphy bed. And the bread always like, that is, it is, it is such has such baggage to it. It's also a falsehood because it doesn't really give you more space because most of the time your bed's going to be down. Like they had to I can't, shrink I can't put... their entire apartment by like a foot. They, in they order to, to hide it into the wall. Yeah. Yes. But not only that, they had these like sliding walls that would cover the shelves. So if you had the bed down and needed to access the shelves, you couldn't. Yeah. And doing all of this, I, they really should have done some sound mixing because to open the Murphy bed, you had to move the the wooden things aside, which was loud. And yes. then you had, and then they gave you every single creak of that Murphy bed descending. It was like a which- metal, and and also they had to prefab all of this, and they only have forty eight hours, if if that, because I, I honestly don't think it's a true forty eight hours because they have one full day where they do the key swap. They do mm-hmm. a little bit of work overnight. They always have homework, right? The designer leaves and they're left with homework, which I think it's important in this episode to mention that uh, Kia's team, the Murphy bed team, didn't do their homework because I guess whatever the plaster dried and they were like, Oh, the plaster dried. Can't do the project overnight. So it set them back hardcore. How would you guys react if you came home and suddenly there was a Murphy bed? Am I, am I I the only person with an intense emotional reaction to that? I'd be, I'd be mad because I'm not going to pull that out every night. I didn't realize that I had strong feelings about the concept of the Murphy bed, but apparently I do. It's bullshit. It is a lie, right? You say it saves you space, but no, it fucking doesn't. I can't, I put the bed up and I've got all this space here. What am I going to do with it? Like, I can't put a table there. I can't put a weight bench all of a sudden, you know, this. It's a lie. It's a false space. You'd it's constantly have space. to move all the other furniture to accommodate the fact that you need to pull out a bed every single night. And yeah, and you, that you did bed bring attention. Is never going up. Ever. That bed is staying down because also they're going to be like, well, I've woken up. It's time to completely strip my entire bed and then raise it and then close two things. And then when I want to go to sleep, I have to remake my entire bed. Sarah can't even get me to put pillowcases on half the time, right? Yeah. And to to your point, Dan, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. That bed is going to go up quite often because eventually they're going to need to get to their own shit. (laughs) They're having to get to their own stuff. I guess as Kaylani wisely pointed out, this bed installation includes built-in shelves. 
that become completely inaccessible when you open the doors <laughs> to pull down the bed. So now my bed is there and I go, well, time to go reach over here for my book or my alarm clock and thump, there's a door in the way. It's such a dipshit design. It was also a massive undertaking because you have a time limitation. You also have a budget limitation. And it took them nearly all of the time to do just the bed and the shelves. They don't finish. They no. do not finish. Sadly. Uh, and the like the designer is like nearly crying as they drag her out and she's like despondent because she's like I fucked up so bad. Well, no. Place she no. had a vision. Disagree. She she was more upset that her vision didn't get yeah. executed. Yeah, Dan, you're you're putting some level of remorse there. Yeah. there they, they show no remorse, which we'll find out in the next episode. They as, do as not she, care. They don't take accountability. As she I'm, said, as they dragged her away, saying it's time, like time to go. Like, like Paige basically has her in an arm lock, just dragging her off as she screams, "I put so much of myself into this," and I'm and I'm at the TV screaming, "Yeah, that's the problem." Like, it's if I did something like a Murphy bed. That would be a six-month conversation with my partner where we would figure out how that would work logistically and basically rearrange our entire lives around having a Murphy bed. Uh, and they were just like, I'm feeling Murphy bed today. I've looked at your apartment once, but let's pull the trigger on this. The only world a Murphy bed would work in is like a guest room that duels as some other room that like yes. you don't pull it out all of the time. It's like a pullout couch. You don't pull it out all the time, but it's kind of convenient when it's there. Yeah, and well, we put it up so that we can move in the air hockey table when yeah. nobody's staying here. Yeah. <laughs> and and Kai, yeah, it, it's great for an Airbnb. Uh and and Kai spends all their time and all their money on that project as evidenced by the fact that by the end, she's just going to her own house and pulling shit out of her own attic and painting it and calling it decor. She has like some pan African symbols. There's an onk in there. There's some sort of African bird that all look like they were props in like an eighth grade play about Africa. Yes, it is impressive where sometimes the designers get stuff. Because I think at one point she trash picked something from the Home Depot, which yeah. I was surprised that they were allowed to say. <laughs> like, uh, they in the later episodes they don't. In the next episode they say the home goods or the home furnishing store. They don't say anything uh, specific. Yeah, well, Kia, yeah. Kia at one point is like, "Oh, I trash picked this." From the Home Depot, which I was, oh. to that, I was like, wow, that that could have been branded content, but I think this is before people really Highly realized. Highly unlikely. Yeah, it, was, it definitely wasn't, but it, it probably was before a time where they realized that anytime you drop a product's name is an opportunity to make money. Uh, like, she is having a full-on nervous breakdown by the end of the episode, where it is like, like... She's like snapping at Paige and she's just basically yelling at orange shirts like work faster. This is oh, yeah. gonna work. They were Stop looking at me it, like and, that. And I remember he the one guy on Kia's team was trying to upholster something and he's like, How much time do we have? Should I panic? And she just is like, You need to panic. 
the designers that work on this show needed it to run forever because there is no way they got hired after this went off the air. Because I would, if I just Googled Kia's name, I'd be like, well, there's her uh, having a nervous breakdown in somebody's apartment, painting everything yellow and then fucking off. So probably not going to hire her to do my outdoor renovation. But it what, feels so... like watching Hearts of Darkness, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they treat like redoing this bedroom as if they are filming apocalypse now <laughs> so so what did you think of Lori's uh design though the other couple the couple that did finish their room i yeah. was about to ask is there anything interesting about them about that no like, other, that's, than, other than Lori i actually kind of like, liked it i thought i i mean i'm a sucker for sage green but she had some interesting like there's always little cute diy projects like the show is kind of in sections where there's all these oh painting tips or furnishing tips but then there's always some kind of diy project that the designers pull out and she did kind of like a palm frond like that you yeah, paint on a yeah. canvas and kind of leave an imprint it's like some kind of like a kid's art project and it was kind of cute i yeah, wouldn't I do think, it i think but... that's cute i think that's fine i think i think it is a nice little like oh our friends made this for us kind of yeah thing. yeah they're, but the, other than that their their whole excursion is pretty uneventful uninteresting uh i thought the yellow upholstery on the the oh that was like, ugly the, it was hideous <laughs> I... We but, saw the plants and we were like, oh man, those things are going to die oh, after but the, six months. The I thought they were plastic. The oh, were they plastic? The upholstery on the uh, on the dining room chairs, it was just a slip cover over one of those chairs that has like the kind of holes through it. It was like a very 90s. This was also really fun. It was a lot of these houses was updating intensely 90s houses to what people thought was going to be the new millennium. <laughs> I was so shocked that the crazy lady who wouldn't shut up about Harlem wasn't the problematic one. I thought she was <laughs> going to go absolutely berserk. And when she just kind of kept her head down and did very basic redesign and then everything was fine, I was like, I would have bet money that you were going to lose your mind doing this. So speaking of the the end of the millennium or the end of the millennium and getting into this, as sort of a aperitif, or as soon as a what, Kalani? What what is a uh, a mid meal? Uh, oh, like palate a palate cleanser, cleanser and a mousse bouche. As an amuse bouche, thank you, Kalani. Uh, as an amuse, I, I knew I was wrong when I said aperitif. Oh no! Uh, well, it's funny because it's like so. I have another newsletter that I didn't mention at the top of the podcast because it's kind of like my muse letter called a mousse bouche, which is big ideas and small bites. But continue. Ah, <laughs> uh, cute. As as an amuse bouche here, before we go to the Harlem episode, I want to talk about one additional episode that I flipped through because the quality was pretty bad, and that is the Seventh Heaven crossover episode. <laughs> I thought maybe we could get a twofer here because Seventh Heaven was one of my mom's shows, uh, like that was a show that was on rotation in in my house, but this clearly happens very late into the seventh heaven run because by this point some of the big names have left the show you know the premise of this is it's still trading spaces except two of the male actors by the way did you know that seventh heaven had two actors who were brothers who played brothers on the show no Ugh. i had no idea yeah, it was very weird these are I weird dudes that. i hated it very much and also they didn't show up until like season seven or eight because uh, the other guys who were playing the older brothers were like, you know what, we're we're out of here. We're better than this. 
Spoiler alert, they weren't. Um, but they bailed and they were replaced with two other guys who were actual brothers who also lived together. And they're the they're couple A in this. They're blue shirt couple. The other couple in this is Beverly Mitchell and Jessica Beale. Oh. Uh, who are the other two, who are two of the female characters on uh, 7th Heaven. They're two of the sisters. Uh, and they are redoing Beverly Mitchell's garage. Uh, and the guys whose names are unimportant, they're redoing, like, they're having their apartment, like, living room redone. Uh, and it's very weird, because it looks like, 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 my apartment is nicer, is way nicer than what they live in. It looks, it looks like it is, it is an apartment that is rented by two 25-year-old actors that live together. Biggest claim to fame is a recurring role on 7th Heaven. <laughs> anyway, this is mostly uninteresting. Uh, beyond the weird sexualization of Jessica Biel. It culminates in the designer Hildy Saint Santo Tomas, who is um, history's greatest monster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her as designs were tell. consistently <laughs> insane. Anyway, there's there's a scene as I'm as I'm flipping through and I'm just going through the YouTube. I'm like, okay, this is boring. This is boring. Jessica Biel is taking off her shirt. What? And there's just huh? a bit where I have to go back and, and watch. Why is Jessica Biel? Why is like 19-year-old Jessica Biel taking off her shirt? And they're taking pictures of like the back, like the small of her back. What? And like Beverly Mitchell is, is taking pictures of, of them. So, so this was the idea that they had, that Hildy had for the boys' apartment. They come in, they reveal the apartment, they go, Oh, hey, cool, you, you built a hutch for our TV. Oh, you painted the wall. Whose panties are those? <laughs> there is, There are pictures on the wall of, like, sexy pictures of, like, the close-up of a woman's hip, and she's pulling, like, her panties out of her, out of her uh, pocket, or, like, the back of, uh, like, like, a woman's, like behind and like the small of her back is right yeah the, this is a very for some reason in the two early 2000 early mid 2000s is like such a provocative space it's like the tramp stamp area this is it's exactly uh, exactly yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so it's, this it's, is it's, why you wear low rise jeans and like t- like tummy shirts yeah it's yeah so exactly so it so it's like hips and small of the back and almost pubic hair or whatever but like pant but like whale tails are coming out like panties are coming up above them and they're like and so these are framed in like blown up in large silver frames and uh page has to point out so uh those hips are hildy that is jessica's and that is beverly so they took pictures of the sexy parts of their bodies and framed them and put them on the wall all right so so kaylani Kaylani, you 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 go on a date with a man, a mm-hmm. young actor. You go home with him, uh, and you see framed on his wall are pictures of another woman's panties. And I mean, are they at least in black and white? Because I feel they like are that... in black and white. Okay, that's they're like okay. mildly tasteful, mildly. All right, I no, feel no, like no, the no. black and white is saving that by the skin <laughs> of its teeth. No, 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 no. Let me let me point out to you. 
They are his co-workers' panties. Now, that's just a line. That's a boundary. That's really mm-hmm. wrong. But also, was Hildy? You said there was a photo of Hildy. Hildy? Yep. That is yep. so vain. And also not a trading spaces first. Because there's an episode, I think it's Genevieve, who paints a mural of herself. No, it is no, also Hildy. It's Hildy. It is also oh, it's also Hildy. Hildy. Hildy, Kehlani. Can we, all right, can we do a subject change? Do we want to just talk about Hildy in isolation? Because you also sent us a list of trading places fails and they are all hildy they're all hildy hildy is insane i just has such bad ideas like her ideas (laughs) she goes into a space and is like let's throw hay on the wall and people are like my baby's allergic please don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let, let, let's go. But, but before we move on to Hildy, or maybe as as a way to segue into Hildy, I just want to say one thing, one last thing about the 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 navel pictures, the small of the back pictures, and that is yes, there are three. One is Beverly Mitchell. One is Jessica Biel. These nineteen to twenty two year old actresses, and the third one is Hildy, going. Yeah, I'm in the Why? same class. Why? I'm just as sexy. She's insane. She put her face on somebody's wall, the wall of strangers, and it's just her face. And I can't imagine her selling anybody on that. I think they just came in and were like, what the hell is this? And she's like, I did it. You're welcome. Hildy is like, I have trouble processing her as a human being. She feels like almost like an Esther an extra dimensional entity that just drifts through reality, ruining everything. Like, I feel like she's like some horrible version of Doctor Who that like was there at the release of the bubonic plague and like was there at Waterloo giving Napoleon <laughs> advice. Like, just decor advice. Yeah. She convinced Napoleon to wear that fucking hat. Hildy Santo Tomas. <laughs> Is like if Nathan Fielder were a real housewife of New York. <laughs> That's accurate. That's really accurate. <laughs> but it would be like if you got Hildy, you knew you were in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, I, I, is, there is a hungry darkness behind her eyes that can never be fed. She really took risks and got the wrong kind of attention. But I mean, Really, these kinds of reality TV shows, when they happen, I feel like they also help facilitate that whole influencer craze where it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it, like anyone can be famous now and anyone can get lots of attention. And all of these shows also are niched down like Trading Spaces is a DIY show. This is a Pinterest board waiting to happen. This is like a Mm -hmm. DIY TikTok waiting to happen. But Hildy just feels like she is the drama queen that doesn't mind getting hype for being a really bad designer. I mean, although I got to admit, she does. I can't say she's a bad designer. It's just that her designs are out of this out of this world. Like she completes them. She does them. I have I have a, I have an important question. Do you th- if if Hildy instead of being a creature of the '90s and early 2000s, if Hildy was a creature of now of Instagram and TikTok, do you think she would 
be fair better or worse oh worse she would she would be the wellness to white supremacy pipeline like i just know that's like her brand can can we can we go ahead and and just we've danced around it numerous times i messaged dan while watching this saying dan this shit is racist (laughs) this show feels racist not Sometimes blatant and sometimes underlying, you know, kind of in the way that like a Hallmark Christmas movie feels a little racist, but you can't quite tell how. Yeah, like, Dan, this this shit is racist. This show is racist. And I think, let's let's go and sneak and slide this in here. I'm glad that, completely random that we chose these two episodes. There's basically the two episodes that I could find that were watchable on YouTube. Um, but I think it's important that we chose one in Harlem uh, and one in Everett Washington. Yes. Because I think I think this show does not work in a city. This show does not work in like a brownstone in New York. This is well, a suburbs show. This well, is a they, show by and for suburbs. They even discuss like how there there were kind of problems with doing like, i guess like i don't know they were like oh was this the first time that the, i think that that Harlem might the have first been the time first they time were in they NYC. Done, I think that was the first time they had done a show in a major city. Like yeah. in an urban in an urban setting, because part of the premise of the show is that they need to, the neighbors need to be within walking distance of one another. They need to actually have parking. That actually was a stipulation. Yes. So mm-hmm. because they need to bring in like lots of trucks and they need to bring in production crew and they, so essentially this city block must have been closed down. But they it sounds like they went to great feats to do this production in Harlem, which it it kind of you know it it then you miss a whole aspect of what it's like to live in a city i mean later on when they drop page as a host they do have a philly episode and that's like kind of like a like you do a philly brownstone um i didn't watch the episode so i don't know if they had similar issues I but w- I, was yeah. gonna ask, I got five seconds in and i was like this is going to elicit too strong of emotions i, I, I was gonna ask because i i also didn't watch the philadelphia episode but also phil just like New York, Philadelphia is a pretty big city. There are places in Phil- that are technically Philadelphia where you have a full, like, a full yard, a separated house of two story. There are places that you can go to and buy those houses. They're crazy. I mean, they're crazy expensive now. I don't know how expensive they were in the year two thousand, but you can still be like in East Falls or uh, uh, German this, and buy but, those. Like, I I cuz I guess it was the this was uh, yeah speaking of the random people that upload episodes of um trading spaces the only reason I found the Philadelphia episode was it was a specific artist whose art was featured on the show and I guess uh, he had uploaded yeah. the entire episode but that was a Philadelphia Browns I think they were actually doing what looked like those two story south philly homes Oh, it was like a row home? Yeah, it was a row. They were doing row homes. Okay, so th- so they're in like fucking Wharton Street. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I gotta watch that now. There's sort of a class element to it because when they do it in somebody's studio apartment versus when they do it in a room of somebody's house, the like the the changes they make in that apartment potentially life ruining. Yeah. Uh, which is like genuinely like those people with the Murphy bed, they're like they're stuck with that Murphy bed. They either have to move or spend another like eight, th- like 
two, oh, three thousand yeah. dollars. There were stories. There were stories about people who had to fix their rooms afterward, or like so. The hay room is a really, really popular one that people point to. Where I guess it was Hildy, like glued hay all over people's walls. And when they brought their child, like first off, that people hated it. They were like, it smells like a barn. And then they brought their child into it, and the child had a lot of. Uh, allergic like they had an allergic reaction to the wall but not only that i guess they had built a shelf and the shelf fell and they were really concerned that hey this could have fallen on my child and hurt my child but it was the hey they did it was a bookshelf it was a bookshelf that they didn't secure to the wall which is like which is like home ownership 101 secure your bookshelves yes ikea gives you the little screw spot for a reason yeah and and it took what was it Several people, 17 hours to get all of the hay off of the wall. And if you think of the concept of the show being 48 hours with only two or three people, that is a huge undertaking. And sometimes like it's more expensive than what it costs to redesign the room. And, and, and is- there was there was another one where um they it was a family with like two kids and they put in cement floors yes. and re- tables with really sharp corners and they were like well we basically have to immediately undo all the changes because it is an like a pressing danger to our children yeah um, yeah but but kind of going back to the this the racism of the show i think that was also the racism of the time like there were mm. That, like in the early 2000s, I think it was very common to just kind of like laugh. Like, for instance, in the Harlem episode, there's a point where Kia is trying to describe all of those African symbols and educate and Paige is just joking and joking and making mm. fun and and like picking fun at the decorations. And Kia is just literally like. I'm trying to educate people here. And I do feel bad that she didn't get to execute her full design. I can't decide whether or not it's because she spent a lot of time on that Murphy bed or if like, I don't know if she yes. managed her time well, but I mean, she later <laughs> later on, they bring on a designer who I really liked. His name was Vern Yip. And he is one of the only, like him and Kia are like one of the like they're the two like people of color on the show and in all honesty Vern's designs were actually the best he actually went into this show being really earnest and being really real and making like actually taking people's considerations into thought as he went and executed all of his designs but he did a great job and I think that like people treated him really poorly on the show it feels like they they would have brought him on because they were like okay we got to bring some, we got to do something. Yeah, we have are too threat- many like whimsical white women who want to turn mm-hmm. everybody's rooms into circus tents. And also people are threatening to sue. So yeah. uh, we uh, got, we got to do something. Okay. Actually, Kehlani, let's, let's go ahead and do this. Then you had a specific designer you wanted to make sure we talked about. Doug Wilson is the most confidently arrogant designer in the trading spaces cinematic universe because he (laughs) is so rude he truly doesn't care about what anyone has to say and he will just go and do whatever the hell he he wants but there is one epic incident where he 
I, I forget exactly what the couple wanted, but like they go into this. Like I, I don't know if they wanted to preserve the fireplace or like basically homeowners can say like these things are off limits and in their paperwork and in their documentation. And Doug Wilson would just very, very blatantly just go against all of their wishes. But he installed this ugly, ugly um fixture over a fireplace like made it accentuated it in such an awful way and then also put like brown cubes or like brown like paint all over the walls it was disgusting but he <laughs> like it it starts with like i guess page asking him about the design and he's justifying it and thinking about oh patting himself on the back but they bring the couple in and the wife just she takes it in and i really admire her poise she takes this, it in this poor woman tries to put on a good face and she just turns to Paige and she goes, excuse me, I just need to go into the other room for a moment. And she walks out of the room really calmly, but she's still on the mic. So it's a hot mic and you just hear her sobbing. She is crying, <laughs> bawling. It's, the, it's one of the most awkward, painful things I've ever seen on television because her husband is sitting there going, oh yeah, boy, she doesn't I, I, like that. And, yeah. and Paige is, Paige is well, doing her job. Paige's job is to try to like save face or whatever, mm -hmm. but you just or, or Get like any ounce of positivity. Well, what are out some of things you like can. about the room? What do you think you can? What What do you think you, can, you can do just to make hear it a better? Woman weeping. You can just <laughs> hear a woman crying. And here's the thing. And the husband like, like is seething with rage. He's like, I think at one point he just says like, "All I'm seeing is a lot of firewood right now." Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Because I think they didn't. She didn't want the fireplace to be. If I remember correctly, she didn't want the fireplace to be. Uh, covered up that was actually an accent that she really liked and it was the designer's job to really just kind of play off of that instead of just covering up entirely but it, let, me, let me go and say something it, here as a producer it's really fucking easy to go ahead and cut that that audio footage it's really easy to go ahead and delete the part it. where she's crying oh yeah before it goes on national television I you have to make an intentional decision to keep that in. That, I uh, think, was just part of TLC discovering its voice, which was the drama in the trauma and them really wanting to exploit people experiencing terrible moments. I've actu I actually know people who have worked on reality TV productions and how oftentimes producers will instigate arguments they will instigate problems they will actually like kind of poke and prod at situations knowing where all the weak points are knowing where all the buttons are to like elicit responses from people that they've selected knowing that they are very sensitive or will react or uh, or are very emotional and that's kind of the glory of reality tv sadly it's it is so hard to watch that scene and not think that the show was immediately canceled after that. No, because if it feels, anything, it was just yeah, amplified. It, it seems like any any sane people would go like, "Well, not only can we not air this episode because we are it 
it culminates in a woman having a nervous breakdown and it being our fault very oh, clearly. But it was weird too because like I think Trading Spaces tried to find really awkward moments because if you remember during the commercial, like they'd come back from commercial break, there'd be an interstitial or they'd leave commercial break. There'd be like weird interstitials of like side things. Oh, here's Ty acting really weird and funny like in some, his carpenter like workshop. B-roll. At one point in time, I think it was uh, Hildy just like putting her butt to the camera and kind of just giving a butt wiggle. Yeah, it, it was weird. It was weird. So I remember distinctly with Doug Wilson watching this on television and I could not find, I found a very loose reference to it. But there is a, there's an episode, and I think it's actually season four, episode one, where they are in, I forget what town they're in, uh, Milwaukee. They're in Milwaukee. And it's, two couples of single ladies. I think that was the magic of the episode. And the episode's description was like, fighting and flirting. And then da-da-da-da-da. And it ends with like, but we won't kiss and tell. Because... I saw the description. Doug Wilson, at the end of an episode where he was like essentially working over the weekend with like two single ladies, just starts making out with one of the people with one of the participants of the show and it was the most and that was during the end credits and it was one of the most awkward moments in television because here's this design show and you think it's about design it's supposed to be about design but really it's just trying to stir up all this drama was it like price is right kissing or was it consensual it was (laughs) both of them in the heat of the moment and a very passionate consensual kiss Okay. Yes. All right. It's better, I guess. But yeah. during a design but show, it was weird. Still super weird to put on television. And, and, and during the end credits. Was yeah. It, was it like, I feel like that's a thing that she might have been like, I did not think you were going to air that. <laughs> like, I mean, they sign those release forms and anything is game. The the end credits are very weird. The, in the end credits of the like one that we just talked about in Harlem features like the carpenter Amy Wynn and Kai the designer talking about like where to get a good orthodontist, like because it because they're basically talking about like 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 uh, Kai's showing off her Invisalign or whatever, and Amy Wynn's like, "Oh, those are embraced. I want that." Like that's it's such so a weird. weird. Con- it's such a weird conversation, and 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 that's it. And then. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson comes up and draw and drafts Ty Pennington into the Carpenters Initiative. Like I Yeah. It was such a it's such a weird choice. Let's let's go on to the Everett Washington episode. Yes. Like I said, I, now we're now we're going to the suburbs. Kayla, I do I do want to commend you. We this sh- podcast is basically us finding way new ways to make ourselves angry using television. <laughs> and I do want to commend you for finding the 45 minutes that have not only made me angrier than anything else on this podcast, but maybe the angriest I've been in my adult life. I didn't know that this show could elicit such feeling. (laughs) I, I screamed at volumes while watching this episode of television. I didn't, I am. uh, It is a miracle. My neighbors did not call the police. (laughs) Dan, Dan, 
do you want to take the lead and be podcast dad on this one? Uh, I'll or, try. Or are, or are you too emotionally attached? Are you too close to the to the source? I'll get as far as I can into it, and then one of you is ne- gonna need to take the wheel. So this is in uh, this is in Washington. It is uh, two neighbors. I'd say they're both like upper middle class uh, white couples. Um, they like uh, they're suburban. One of them has a boat in their backyards. They owned land in a Seattle suburb in the early two thousands. Yeah. They got money. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they're definitely like. Not as vulnerable as the Harlem uh, Harlem couples. These they're just remodeling like a room in their house. They have two designers that are um, Hildy and what is the name of the blonde Genevieve? And both Hildy and Genevieve lose their fucking minds. (laughs) And both of the couples, the blue shirts and the orange shirts, are basically following the designers around, going. I do not sign off on any of this. Not only, I, at first they're trying to slow them down. They're like, this thing you're doing goes against the wishes of my neighbor and friend. And I am telling you as someone that knows them and has spoken to them about what they want, that they will hate this. And then after that, their feedback is basically them collecting evidence for small claims court because they're just basically trying to get themselves like videotaped evidence of like, I do not sign off on any of this because they're and it gets to the point where Paige uh, shows up and Paige, Paige is the is, host. Yeah. Paige, Paige, the host is like, hey, Genevieve, um, I know my entire job is being perky and supportive. But are you sure you want to do this? And she was like, yeah, totally. We'll we'll get into this thing. Genevieve is like, I'm lying to one of these couples about what I'm doing, but it'll be fine. They'll like it in the end. Um, And then she goes over like, all right, cool. Hildy, why are you painting a fucking chair red? With non-fabric paint. And Hildy's like, I'm off my meds. Yes. Um, Hildy is in some side room garage with a blue tarp up. The couple comes in. She is already halfway done spray painting with what appears to be an automotive... Uh, An spray airbrush. airbrush, yes, because my dad had. Well, we used to have our family auto body shop, so I know what those things look like. And she's like just, it's an El Camino, <laughs> exactly bright red, like it's an El Camino, and she's <laughs> it, it, without fabric paint. And all I could think to myself is like, it's gonna be crunchy. It's gonna crunch. The, the husband gonna... specifically asks, "Is that fabric paint?" And Hildy says, "No, no. it is not." And he goes. Oh boy! <laughs> so inevitably, but but it's yeah. but it's okay. It's okay. That doesn't and, ever come to fruition. Would you like to say why, Kaylani? Would you yeah, like to say why it doesn't come? Disaster averted. So they put the couches outside in Seattle to dry, and yeah, dry in Seattle. Okay, so I guess they cover it with blue tarps. It pours. It rains. It's windy. Blue tarps blow away they come back the next morning these couches are destroyed they're soaking wet the paint has been is running off and they've essentially destroyed three pieces of furniture in this family's living room 
Now, it's up to Hildy to go out and replace this furniture. But Paige keeps saying, you're going over budget. And it, I kept saying, and they kept reiterating, oh, we're going over budget. You know, oh, well, we'll let it slide this time that we're going over budget. No, you're not going over budget. You're replacing furniture that you damaged because that's yeah. another part of the show is like these designers can use whatever they want. They go into people's basements. They go into other rooms. They start using elements in these people's houses. And in Hildy's case, she used their already existing furniture and tried to paint it with like yeah. house paint car paint with whatever with not fabric paint uh this bright ugly ass red i'm gonna give you two yeah. references here and you can choose which one you look you like better i'm gonna do two takes and <clears throat> it looks like the big comfy couch where lunette and molly a clown and her dolly hang out oh my or, gosh <laughs> it looks like the couch from snick Oh, both of those are good. I like the Snick one, though. I could jump over that and land on the crunchy seat. <laughs> Get paint all over my pants. It looks like Amanda Bynes should be telling me that all that is coming right back. <laughs> so I, I want to run a theory by you, uh, by you guys that, uh, that uh, my fiance uh, pitched. She thinks. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry, one more. It looks like Steve should be sitting down in it and putting together Blue's Clues. <laughs> okay, good. go. So my my fiance pitched the theory that uh, the couple in the rain deliberately took the tarp off to save the to save the the living room. They were like, we can't let them do this. This is going to be a fucking disaster. So they took the tarp off so they would have to replace the chairs. If An entirely happened, possible theory. Yeah, if that happened, then the producers did not do their job because that would have been aired. <laughs> <laughs> I I think if they did do that, it is one of the most incredible acts of friendship on television. <laughs> they, Truly. They snuck it. They snuck into their neighbor's lawn like cat burglars. <laughs> they, they dressed up in, in black turtlenecks and eye paint and beanies and slid their way and like, probably in a fucking ghillie suit and climbed, <laughs> climbed through the hedges and grabbed the, the tarps and ran off into the night. <laughs> so so in, in actuality, so it's like they... The solution is that Hildy goes out, buys new furniture. She buys these sleek looking early 2000s couches that are white. And she plays a joke on the husband and is like, okay, here's the paint paint bucket. Get paint and fill up the, the paint gun. And he's like, absolutely not. And she's like, just kidding. Slip covers. And Honestly, that was the most probable solution to all of this the entire time. Like, why not just reupholster or use slipcovers on the original couches? It seems like it should be against the rules of the show, where when one of the families says, no, I do not sign off on this and I think it's a bad idea, it seems like the designer should have to stop. Like, it doesn't seem like that should be But allowed. that's not the fun of TLC. This is, TL <laughs> this is where the learning channel turns into Honey Boo Boo TLC, Toddlers yeah. and Tiaras, and all of that jazz. <laughs> 
after a certain point, if I were in their shoes, I'd be like, why am I here? I'm just doing unpaid manual labor for you. I don't have any input. The trading, the spaces are not being traded. I'm just basically decoration while you brought in an interior designer. Meanwhile, speaking of paint, meanwhile, Genevieve is in the other house. She paints an access wall with literal rust. Did you catch the, um throwaway line by ty paddington who is fucking despising all of this where they go like oh it's uh it'll corrode and ty paddington goes like it looks more like a commode to me and it just walks out <laughs> of the frame walks away ty paddington fucking kills it here god damn it god damn god damn all of you because now i have to like take the side of ty pennington i have I, to like defend he's pennington fine. but but no, because pennington is the only one of these people with a fucking marketable skill. Pennington is the only one of these people who can walk off of this show and do literally anything else because he seems to be the only person with object permanence. He seems to be the only person who understands, like, what happens when you nail things together. He seems to be the only one who can tell that a tall, skinny glass of water and a fat, short glass of water can hold the same amount. The rest of these people have to be influencers because they lack any other potential skill to be anything fucking else. He Ty Pennington, also- great. In the in the land of the dumb, the man with one brain cell is king. He is also the only one talking to these families Woo! like they are human beings. Yes. Like he is like, hey, what's going on? You're a human. You you have an internal life, and I care about literally anything you have to say. And this is why his career explodes because he's empathetic. Yeah. Because he can really relate. He moves on to doing most. What was it? Extreme house makeover. And those right. like, those makeovers, they're. They're for people that are struggling. They're for people that do really great work in their communities. And they, it's a bear, it's a lot more of a, like a heartwarming show. And the designs are actually very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ABC kind of, kind of going to the like poverty porn, kind of like tragedy. I'm sorry. What's the phrase you keep using? The drama and trauma. Oh yeah, drama it, and it, trauma. It, yes, it like it like pushes that because they're on ABC and because it's Disney owned and because they have to have a happy ending. They only get there like as a means to an end because you know at the end of it it's gonna be Ty Pennington yelling "Move that truck!" and then there's gonna be the big crying and everyone's gonna you know there's Everyone, tears and, and the community was involved and all, you know everybody that like they've touched their lives now it's time for them to you know repay the favor and yeah We're that's donating a lot more... to st jude's research hospital and yeah cetera, et cetera. yeah it's, it's, it's a lot more um heartwarming but hildy is doing some kind of crazy thing and she brings ty pennington into it where She's creating like a circus tent theme where Mm -hmm. she's draping fabric from the ceiling, hanging it on the walls and then covering the walls with fabric. But everything that they own, like all their entertainment center, they're like this and that, all this because this is their like an entertainment space. The the thing that the one couple kept saying was like, oh, they host a lot of parties down here. So their sound system and things need to be on this wall. And she's like, well, I'm going to put it on the opposite wall and whatever. But you ever walk into a room in your house and think, you know, this room just isn't flammable enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hildy's got your back. Hildy's you got know, your covered. This is a very combustible room. <laughs> 
you know what I really want out of my home? You know when you're in a tent and you have the sense that it could fall down at any moment? Oh, yeah. That's what I really want in my relaxation space. Uh, but I, I remember that Ty builds the, I guess, the loop or the thing that was going to hold all the fabric in the top of the tent together. It's literally just a cylinder. It's yeah, it's a cylinder. Thing, thing- Think think about a spool of thread. Now put that, move that to like the size of a football. That's all he's building. Yeah, and then what was it? Hildy has the nerve to say, actually, can you like make this half of the size, like cut it in half? And he now has to do a, a lot more work. He just built this thing for her, and she couldn't even come to the project with the proper measurements. <laughs> But he is, like, seething with rage when she asks that. He's like, sure, it will take time and effort. And she's like, great, thank you, and then fucks off. And then Genevieve, on the other side, on the other house, Genevieve uh, has a dig so passive-aggressive that she loves so much she does it twice. First to Paige and then to Ty, where she says, like, basically kind of says, uh... Yeah, we'll do this within two days and the and the and under budget. You know how this show works? You know the show that we're on? The rules? We want to check the rule book? Uh. She does that first to Paige and then later to Ty when he says something like, Okay, do you think we're gonna get this in, in time? And she says, Yeah, that's how the show works that we're on. Uh. And, and Ty just sits there just like Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he Oh my god. Openly hates her. Like <laughs> openly openly despises her and like does not hide it at all he like is just talking shit and he like walks through like the room she's not like looks like ass anyway here's some wooden (laughs) bullshit you wanted later like he's building a shelf and the husband is like i don't think this looks very good and he's like it's stupid this is this but this like that's what he is signed on to do he's just doing his job he's there to I, again, build out Genevieve and Hildy's visions, which Genevieve's vision is the Asian-inspired room that the one woman specifically does not want. And I was so like excited that this was the episode that you sent over because this is also in that top 10 list of worst rooms and worst moments because this couple visibly hates it. <laughs> It, the the, the so whole the whole I, cast uh, the whole cast and and setup really feels like if you hired a failing polycule to <laughs> to redo your kitchen. <laughs> like I'm sure everyone there has slept with each other. Like maybe that's it, where all the frustration and tension comes from. They all they, seem they, like each other's exes. They all they, seem like that. That's what they. That's what they like dug in. Like, all right. So, on the thing that really pops is when a bunch of people have have had sex and hate each other. What can we replicate that in a more pure, distilled form? The you, learning you, you got, you channel. Got, <laughs> you, you got Doug over there. His tongue is halfway down a participant's throat, and he just kind of like. Like takes his tongue out for a second, yells back, "You can't shit where you eat," and then goes back to making to making out with this contestant, who he's never gonna see again. Oh God, there was there was definitely a thing of like, oh my God, I can't believe I slept with Doug. I told myself this wasn't going to happen. And you know, apparently, so n- kissing Doug, not to be also confused with when they brought the show back. On the season premiere, apparently Paige kisses Doug, and then people were like, "That was awkward and doesn't feel comfortable." 
But I think that was that was a kiss that was like initiated by Paige and Doug didn't seem like he was that into it. Um, so let's let's talk about the act of violence that Genevieve does, <laughs> the war crime that she commits, the her nice little violation of the Geneva Convention. <laughs> um, so they they mention the no Asian thing uh, twice where they are doing an interview and they're like, so we don't want any colors that are too bright. We don't want an Asian theme. Um, it's in a list of like two other themes, so it's not like she like goes like no Asian by the way. It's like she's yeah. I, I think off. this is also during a time when Zen was kind of getting pretty yeah. hot in there, so it was like minimalist, but maybe put some like bamboo in a vase like that. Crouching was Tiger, of, Hidden Dragon was the most popular movie in America. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's like yeah. around this time. Yeah, so. She calls that out, and then they're um, talking to the, the 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 other team is talking to Genevieve, and they're like, um, so here's some of the stuff she gave us feedback on. Um, there is one thing she doesn't want. She doesn't want an Asian theme. And Genevieve is like, so I got bad news. Because that's did. what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I did an eight. I planned an Asian theme, and she goes like, "All right, well, I cannot emphasize this enough." She told me explicitly she would hate an Asian theme, and then Genevieve goes like, "Okay, actually, never mind. It's not an Asian theme. We won't do an Asian theme. That would be stupid." Cut to her in the garage talking to Paige, being like, "So it's an Asian theme, but don't tell them because yeah. they're gonna love it." And then Paige is like, "So you're lying to the family?" And she's like, "Yes." <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to make it look like a P.F. Chang's in here. Yeah. 100%. And and you are now complicit in it, Paige. You have to go with it. But don't say anything. We're in this together, Paige. We both go down if I get caught. And then in addition to that, they like she paints a wall bright orange. Yeah. Which, and, and one of the things is... Um, they specifically say we don't want any colors that are too dark or too bright. And then the first time the husband spins around to look at it, he goes, that's but pause right. And you think I think what was happened is he was about to say that's beautiful, looked at it, realized it was ugly as sin and was like, <laughs> well, it's bright. The thing I didn't want it to be the exact. <laughs> so thing. that's yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch an idea here by you guys. I think that at some point in time in Paige's life, I think at some point in time in Paige Davis's life, she found a bottle in the back of an old store, rubbed it, and was given a wish uh, by a genie, and she wished that she would be famous and on TV shows or on TV sets all across America. And this is what happened because she's in hell. <laughs> so it was a monkey's paw. Like she, she's the most well-known commodity there, but she's surrounded by assholes, and she can do nothing. All that she can do is try to placate. You can watch her. She's not a carpenter. The carpenters get to say no. She's she's boo boo. She just, all she can do is sit there and go. I don't know if this is a good idea, Yogi. 
Can, 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 you can the maybe, ranger couple isn't gonna like this. <laughs> I feel like you can you can provide some context on it because I feel like from watching this that this is like one of the only times that Paige has broken kayfob where she like broke her like rule of being only positive to uh, go like yeah. Is, yeah. is was this like an isolated incident? Uh I, it's hard for me to tell because there were I feel like there were more moments where she was trying to advocate for the families and just being like I don't think they uh they didn't request this that were or specifically oh they didn't want dark colors they wanted you to brighten the room not you know make it dark or uh you know they wanted to protect this area cuz I think she gets like there is paperwork that these contestants have to fill out beforehand and they do get a clause where they get to say like this is a boundary this is like a no no zone but it's very obvious that that doesn't matter and in fact i wonder if the producers behind the scenes looked at that and said oh you don't want to have an asian themed room we're gonna tell genevieve to you know strike up a design for a zen studio you you get a little look at that uh this time because when hildy destroys the couches Paige goes Okay, well, we can't let these people have no furniture, so I yeah, guess Yeah, she looks I'm... really frustrated. But she, and Paige says, I guess I'm going to let you break the rules this one time and go buy new furniture. Mm-hmm. To which I responded, like, is Paige a producer? I don't think she gets to make that call. I don't know. You like, know, I'm going to look a little bit into that because it, the people made it see... The way that they talked to Paige almost does sound like she has some type of producer role, which would make sense since she's kind of a host and kind of has to rein people in. And she's also enforcing the rules of the game, like how she was pulling Kia out of the room saying, time is up, you have to get out, go now. Like, So she is kind of wrangling them in. But it was crazy because Hildy, at the end, at the end, She always asks the designers where they came in with their budget. And it's, you know, oh, I made it to 987. So I have enough money to take you out to dinner. (laughs) Like little jokes like that. But Hildy's budget. So Paige gives her an extra 500. Hildy spent 1,562. So even if she didn't get the extra 500, she still went over budget, Mm -hmm. which was mind blowing. I don't think Paige can be a producer because she gets fired. Oh, that is. Right? Well, I mean, producers can get fired, too. But Produ- yeah, like producers do get fired. They but do like, yeah. let her go. I forget what season it was. And people say that this is like the downturn of trading spaces because they wanted the focus to be on the designers and the contestants on the show. They yeah. I don't know if no they one ass- cares about the contestants. Yeah. And like. Paige was there to kind of keep pace. She was there to ask questions about inspiration, about solutions when there were problems. Like she was kind of a facilitator and also, again, an enforcer of the rules. But I think that people like don't realize that the role of a host is almost like being a proxy for the viewer. That like the viewer sees themselves in the host if the host is super relatable then you can kind of be like oh i feel like i am in this situation and she's asking questions and clarifying things that i would be asking these designers and that was what her role was so to remove her from the equation just made the show 
kind of flat. In your Emmy Award winning opinion, is Paige a good host? She is, uh, given the time in which this is happening in the early 2000s with the world that that was, I'm not going to grade her on the morals and the standards of today. She is an exceptional host. She is uh, feels despondent when the contestants don't like their rooms, but she continues the conversation by asking them questions of, okay, what is it that you do like about the room? What are the redeeming factors of the room? What are some things that you could do to bring this room up to the standard that you want? What are some other ideas? You know, so when someone doesn't like a room, she's really good at facilitating and keeping the conversations. She's good at diffusing conflicts between designers and Ty Pennington because Ty, there are some parts I, you know, it's all flooding back to me. There are times when he blows up. He has, I remember being a little bit mildly afraid of Ty because he had some like anger on that show. Um, and he, and he's like. the guy they build a whole like empire around. Oh, later yeah. On. Yeah. Well, because he's, he, maybe because he's extremely like task oriented, which he, he's the, th- the reason that he would blow up is because of designers like, bad expectations and poor time management and he's actually really like diligent and he actually does want to do a good job and he actually is really passionate about his job so that's the reasons he kind of blows up sometimes um so he's just angry at other people's incompetence to be honest but yeah like Paige is a very good host she's bubbly she's fun she's excited she makes a lot of jokes in the Everett episode the Everett Washington episode each of the contestants have to switch they're swapping keys and swapping coffee makers and she makes a really good joke about that so she is she is an exceptional host and this is stuff I'm, I'm appreciating this look behind the curtain because this is stuff that you do. I've seen you do it on Check, Please. I've, I've seen episodes where, like, somebody doesn't like another person's restaurant recommendation, and you have to kind of step in and, and facilitate that dis- that discussion. I've seen you do this, and now I get to see a little look behind the curtain. It's It's all about striking a balance. It's fine to have criticisms, and I think it's healthy for people to kind of come in and say, you know, I didn't like this about this restaurant, but it's my job to go beyond why well, I didn't like it. Okay, well, what was it that you didn't like and how can they improve that thing? And I think that is a critical thing. And so I think that's what Paige does. She isn't just like, oh, you don't like it? Okay, sorry to hear that. No, she kind of digs in and is like, what can be a redeeming factor and then how can you improve upon this and i think that's i think that's key i i I feel like there's a line between trading spaces the show that is like constructive and 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 about creating something and about learning stuff and then there's trading spaces the sloppy reality show about human carnage and Paige doing her job is that line where she is constantly like through force of will pushing it towards like the best version of itself. That's why they fired her. That because she's so sweet and because she's so kind and she's so earnest and honest and bubbly, you can feel the discomfort with her. She's so comforting in discomfort. And that is kind of, 
yeah she and she confronts it too like she'll just say what's on her mind if if she doesn't like something she'll be like it's not my cup of tea but maybe someone else will like it but at the end honestly at the end of the um the Genevieve and Hildy designs, that rust colored wall, I kind of felt like she was pandering to Genevieve. She's like, I'm going to paint my wall with rust. And I doubt that she did because that was terrible. And, and I feel like that was as much for the contestants benefit as, as Genevieve. Yeah. Because she was like, no, it's a good idea. You shouldn't like burn this house down. <laughs> and uh, Gen- Genevieve's response to that is when, when Paige says, I might paint my wall like that. Genevieve says, I think a lot of people will be doing that soon. Oh, yeah, probably. Oh, I'm a trendsetter. A lot of people are going to be painting their walls with rust. Spoiler alert, they didn't. (laughs) I don't think from watching this, Genevieve has been told no a lot in her life. Yeah. I don't think... I, I don't think the idea of negative reinforcement has, has been a factor for Genevieve. Genevieve is... A fucking monster. <laughs> she is so mean to everybody. She bulldozes over like the feedback of her uh like of her family, like so viciously and cruelly to the point where uh Paige and Ty Paddington Chai Pennington are basically like almost acting as their union reps, where they're like being like, so we've been talking to the families, and they have some concerns that they would like to negotiate with you. And Genevieve was like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, she held that room I'm hostage. Yeah. She was like, I'm building lanterns. Who gives a shit what anybody has to say? I want to go back to Hildy real quick, because I want to talk about just a quick theme here. Hildy is unable to predict that it might rain in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Hildy is also the mastermind that brought us the hay room. And the more I think about the hay room, the more questions I have. Because, quite literally, she basically just puts up rubber cement and throws straw and hay around there. Does not put a covering on it. Let's let's just go ahead and say, even for a moment, that aesthetically that's a good look. Maybe you are a weird kind of ranch hand or whatever. Hay rots. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hey, she, hey, didn't, she, she didn't. She didn't seal it, it at all. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't no. seal it. If she, if she if she had put like a preserve, uh, like a like a look, like a lacquer over it, would have been fine because it's preserved there and you can't smell it. It's not putting anything off. Would have been over put, budget. Yeah, so she just put put hay there and uh, hay hay rots. Hay it's 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 a plant. It breaks <laughs> down. Eventually, it's just gonna have gross rotting plant matter in your house and not only that so, like they were I, able to pluck it off the walls yeah like it was, it was like there were strands that were just kind of hanging out like so it, i my, I my question is kind of this my question is kind of this is I, I i don't know a better way to say this. is she really that stupid i don't think she's really that stupid well, i think i think that's producer pushed stupidity Kaylani, you go first because I have a take. <laughs> I think she fancies herself a designer, but her ideas are out of this world. And the producers just gas her up knowing she's going to come up with something insane. Because people later in later seasons know they almost cringe. They go, oh, it's Hildy. Like they almost like anticipate that when they are paired up with her, that it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> 
Oh god, yeah, do you think people like who watch the show see that they got Hildy and try to get out of their contracts <laughs> where they're like, actually there's no parking on my block. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, oh, my neighbors have been throwing a lot of 14 car house parties lately. <laughs> Guess no Hildy. Uh-oh. <laughs> um so I I came away from watching this with sort of um feeling very much that this was kind of like a class thing. Like, I don't want to say necessarily that Hildy and Genevieve are rich, but they I don't think super that would... are. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't, didn't feel like it was going to be much of a stretch. And I'm definitely not going to say that the Washington couples are, uh, downtrodden in any way. They're fucking, they're both clearly like doing pretty well, but also like they are homeowners, uh, there's a good chance that they're house rich. Um, the people in Harlem definitely uh, were like kind of living and dying by those apartments. And there is like an element of um, in Hildy and Genevieve and to a lesser extent, the other designers of being able to do whatever the fuck you want to a room because you can afford to change it later or you you can undo it you can change the way your room looks every you were taking year. a gamble yeah you can do basically a fun arts and crafts with one of your room because there's no sense of permanency to it so i think when hildy was putting the hay on the walls she was not thinking about the longevity of that because she was like well you know you put hay on your walls and then you have your guy come and take it down in six months when you get bored with it and then you go with like a French motif, um, not taking into the fact that these are like renters and homeowners that actually have to live their lives in the decisions that you make. Um, so I, I think there is sort of like an element of class to it where it's just like, it, 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 it's, I, again, I, I don't feel it quite as much with the uh, Harlem episodes, but I definitely felt like these super rich elites just coming into people's lives and fucking everything up and being like, well, just use your vast wealth to fix it after I'm gone. Goodbye. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, yeah, that really was, it was like spinning a wheel and just accepting whatever it landed on. And I don't know if people knew, cause I feel like there were a lot of times people did like the designs like there were some episodes where like for instance the people who got the fabric drapes all over their tent walls they seemed to actually like it they uh i guess they liked the novelty of it they said that their kids would really love it that it was really playful and and they had a good time they liked the sconces coming out of out of the walls so i think like some people just maybe aren't the most they're not good designers themselves but they are eccentric and they wanted to have really playful whimsical rooms there's also a um <laughs> there is a reality with housing prices of houses that were featured on diy like shows like television shows like yeah, so there is yeah. a factor of like hey one of these rooms is featured on trading spaces. One of these rooms is part of like an extreme home makeover that like actually increases a house house sale. <laughs> oh my god. People you like the novelty of it. You could have an entire flipping strategy of I'm going to get on this show, I'm gonna let Hildy uh just like finger paint all over the walls <laughs> and then i'm as soon as it airs i'm gonna sell it this house has a mural of hildy's face on it yeah, yeah. there is kind of a market for that 
you know, I now that I remember, uh, when I was probably thirteen or fourteen, uh, would have been about the height of this. There was a a house in my town that was being featured on HGTV. It was being featured in a uh, in in a remodel show, and it was already a pretty like for the area expensive house. Uh, and I remember like watching the episode when it came on TV and I remember all of the like painstaking shots that they like basically bent over backwards to show you or to to make sure you didn't know that right across the street from that house is a chevron and a chicken shack <laughs> and that it is in a town of 150 people basically <laughs> like and yeah now that I think about it that house was for sale within a year for Probably way higher than they bought it for. Yep. <laughs> that. All right. So now looking back on it now, thinking about like your time with your with your mom and is your your family watching Trading Spaces? Uh, is this a show that you and your mom would watch again this weekend? Oh, one hundred percent. Do you think it would be the same? Like <laughs> that we would be the same. Or do you, do you, how how do you think you would respond to it now? I oh. feel like you're going to do this. Like now that you know yeah. where the sources are, you're now gonna that go I take, have you some... and Bunny are gonna go and and now and that sit I have down. some episodes on deck because she really actually does like interior design. She has now the home is beautifully furnished. Um, it's gone through like two different redecorations during the time that the show was airing. Uh, my parents sent me away to sleepaway camp. In I think it was like 2002 and two, 2002 and 2003 and I think in 2002 we played trading spaces because I left for camp for two weeks and then when I came back my bedroom was fully redesigned and they did the whole like reveal and I absolutely loved it. My mom had hand painted butterflies up on like uh, the top of my um, you know on the top of my walls where it kind of met the ceiling and it was just like a beautiful and cozy like preteen uh bedroom space but now yeah she she designed her has redesigned her home she designed her beautiful bakery and she kind of loves that kind of like she loves HDTV and all those like fixer upper shows and whatnot um and i think trading spaces is just funny and hilarious and to see where home design can go array really quickly um it just sounds like a good time i would definitely watch this with my mom I mean, now, now you now when you now you can drink wine with your mom and watch this. <laughs> except and she's like allergic to wine so she'll drink baileys <laughs> whatever <laughs> the the specific alcohol wasn't the point of that <laughs> statement and you know it <laughs> you have the coolest mom <laughs> miss bunny yes <laughs> Uh, Kaylani, is there anywhere else, anything else you, if you forgot to plug of your myriad projects? Honestly. Where, where is your, where's your mom's bakery? Where can I go get oh, some bunny it's buns? it's in Berlin, New Jersey. And she kind of does these, like, you know, painting with a twist. She kind of does yeah. that with cookies. So she has these cookie decorating classes that you can sign up. You get the cookies and she teaches you how to decorate them because she's just a gorgeous decorator. But she Are is. Are you shitting me? Yeah. I think. Hold on. Let me doing that. look her dro- up on dro- Instagram. Drop the address. Drop the address. Plug, yes. plug your mom's. I don't Bunny care about cakes. you anymore. Plug your mom's shit. <laughs> Bunny Cakes on Instagram is. She is Bunny Cakes and Cookies. One really long Instagram handle. <laughs> but she has way more followers than I I do. 
uh, Kalani, I was going to I was going to give you this invite, but I, I was going to say, do you want to come uh, back on? You mentioned before that your backup show was Dragon Ball Z, so I was going to ask oh. if you wanted to come back on to talk about Dragon Ball Z. But instead, I'm going to say, does your mom want to come on to talk about <laughs> Dragon Ball Z? I could ask; she'd probably be down. <laughs> Uh, um, all right, Kaylani, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so uh, much for having me. This was really fun. Normally, this is the part where I plug all of our social stuff, but man, I don't even know where that stuff exists anymore. On Twitter, find us I'm, on Hive. Yeah, I I did I did like post the uh, or I did park the Schneid remarks name on Hive, but man, Hive is terrible. Hive, Hive sucks. They're yeah, all bad. I, we're not we're not going to. I signed on. up for so many alternatives, and I'm just like tired i'm like I don't i'm feel still like it. <laughs> I, I signed up for co-host a week and a half ago and they still won't let me post oh it did it took me about two weeks before they were like okay you're ready and i thought i was like oh you said 24 hours like i just kind of like signed up and waited co-host I, actually does interest me so i'm like i like i want to explore it I'm, I'm not going to be able to build a brand on any of these the way that I was able to build a brand on Twitter because it's not 2012 and I'm not unemployed and horribly depressed anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. Having a job and a relationship really cut into my posting time. Anyway, <laughs> fa- point is uh, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Send us a nice yeah. email. No one yeah. ever emails us anymore. It's just It's literally just hundreds of spam. So, mm-hmm. please send us an email at breakingmayberry at gmail.com. If you want to support us with your money dollars, we are at patreon.com slash breakingmayberry, where you can, for $8 a month, get access to our Discord, get access to all of our fun bonus episodes, extended versions of episodes like this one, if you wanted it to be even longer, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff that we do here and there. Uh, you can also p- pay to make us watch things that you want to torture us with. That's about it. Uh, Patreon.com slash BreakingMayberry, BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. Give us ratings and reviews. Actually, oh, I'm not going to do it now. We've got some new ratings and reviews, but I'll, I'll do those in the next episode. If I'm not in the Philadelphia area, Kaylani, where can I watch Check, Please? Yeah, it streams on the PBS app. Just search for Check, Please, Philly. Okay. That's it. Kaylani, once again, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. I don't have a sign-off for parental control, so uh, you're not my real dad! <laughs> That works. Our house in the middle of a street.